0: Ooh, got got all the buttons clicked, everything's streaming in less than about 15 seconds. So this is Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this has to be...
1: Ah, happy friday eve happy friday eve and i it appears as though you were ready for the weekend a day
2: early yes you know the problem is it was a holiday this week ah. and so i have lost track of days every single day like i blew off travel baseball practice last night which is a major faux pas because it's uh-huh. tournament weekend <sighs>
1: yeah you're, and you're so baseball creek
2: without am, a bat i'm <laughs> up bat creek I gotta bat up my creek. I don't know. So hey, word on the street. What are we gonna talk about today?
1: Well, I just I just thought it would be interesting to discuss. You know, we talk about all of our million dollar mentors, right? We've got Jerry, we've got you, we've got Ray, um, and we define that by those franchisees who are willing to mentor others who have reached the million dollar mark in revenue. So yep. for those of us who are interested in becoming a franchisee, which we can help them do. Um, to help Church. them select what they want. How attainable is that really? I mean, we, we talk about this. Clearly, you've had successful businesses, all of our million-dollar mentors. You've learned tons along the way, made tons of mistakes, done tons of things right. Yep. Um, and some things how, wrong. Well, exactly. I mean, like everybody, you, you learn mm-hmm. as you go. So how hard is it to achieve that level? And what does it take? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think,
2: um, first of all, it's all about finding the right fit. Okay. Because if you don't find, um, a brand or a category that you can be passionate about and have fun with and really fall in love with, um, it's not going to work now having a maid service, right? Like I don't fall in love with cleaning toilets. That's not what I do. But what I do is I fall in love with having such great people and fostering an environment in which they enjoy Mm -hmm. going in and seeing you know, a completely filthy upside down house and walking out and it looks like a model home, right? And so, so for me, that's what drives me, not cleaning toilets. So I think first and foremost is finding the right fit for you, absolutely critical. Second of all, it's making sure that you truly understand what the business model is and understanding what your KPIs are. So there are key performance indicators put in place for a reason. And is it always easy to get to all of those at the same time? No, it's not. Um, And I think for me, right, I've said before on the show, so I started the business as soon as I got open, surprise, you're having another baby. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Just quit my really great paying job, just started this business, we're in the hole, right? Um, And so the interesting thing, especially when you have a franchise, is that often you can kind of ebb and flow with the business. So what I mean by that is the last several months, but specifically August, August is like a sleepy month for us, right? Because everybody's back to school, they're vacationing. And so I can kind of take my foot off the gas a little bit, but now I know September, I'm gearing up for the holidays, right? And so you have to understand the seasonality of your business you're not gonna get, and when we say a million dollars, let's put this in perspective, right? Some brands you do a million dollars right off the get go because you're a restoration company and the jobs that you're doing are you know, huge dollar jobs. Right. My average job is like 178 bucks or something, right? So it takes me a lot longer to get to a million dollar mark than it would if
1: somebody has a $25,000 average ticket. So you have to kind of put that in perspective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you have to know if you're a volume business or if you're going to uh, going to do several projects a year, they're going to add up. But the interesting oh, sure. thing too to me about your story is you mentioned having a baby right when you opened your business. And so part of the history of your story and your business is that you did not put your foot on the gas immediately. Right. Worked your right. business. You grew your business but as your children got more independent. Yeah. Then you were able to really focus in. So a lot of it, you know, is, is, franchisee driven, right? You can decide how many territories you want. Do you want a small one? Do you want to grow to right. multiplication? Sure. Do you sure. want something that's high, high ticket items that gets you quick, quick returns? Or do you want something that's a more of a volume sustained business, right? Right. It, and you know, Ray and I
2: talk about this often too. Um, so when we started, I opened my business in 2007. And if everybody remembers what happened in 2008, 2009. Yeah. Hello people are worried about how they're going to keep their house. The last thing they care about is whether or not it's clean. Right. Right. And so I did follow the model. I continue to dump good money at what I sometimes refer to as bad because you're marketing to people who have not the slightest interest in cleaning. They just want to keep a roof over their heads. Right. Right. But you're keeping the brand out there. Um, And so the, the perseverance that it takes And the preparation that you need to have. And as Ray and I talk about, you know, begin with the end in mind and make sure that whatever they tell you, you need to have in terms of liquid capital for that first year, double it because you don't know. It's like the people who opened a business in 2019.
1: Guess what? They went through two years of COVID. Right. Who and would have been through? Yeah. And, th- and then a recession on the horizon, you know, or in the midst of. Yeah. Yeah. So. We,
2: we don't know. So, do I think that everyone has the opportunity to be a million dollar owner? Absolutely. There are weeks that I worked 60, 70 hours a week, just like I did when I worked for corporate America. And now there are weeks that maybe I work 15 to 20. Right. Now I know, again, for me, if I wanted to go to my office 40 hours a week, I would drive them crazy. Eh? A. <laughs> like my office manager would be like, you need to go. Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
2: But B, I could really invest a lot right now and and in relatively short fashion, make an impact to hit the $2 million mark. Mm -hmm. But I've got teenagers. I've got a girl who's going off to college next week. I have a freshman who's got some situational things that I need to be in touch with. And so there's a lot of different things that, you know, as an owner, you can decide, you know, how important is a million dollars? And what does that mark really mean to you? And mm-hmm. what's the cost to your work-life balance, right? It's, Jerry's in a great situation. We talk all the time because his kids are older and they've now stepped in to help him run the business. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So for Jerry to hit a hit, hit million dollars, it's a piece of cake, right? Ray, he's got, I've got four territories where he's got a giant territory. It's all, you got to really consider where you're at to determine how important that million dollar mark is and what you're willing to give up. But hard work and perseverance, if you don't have those, forget it. It's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. So for our viewers, if they have an interest in becoming a franchisee, we can both help you find the franchise that's right for you, the right fit franchise, or we can mentor you through those first few years and help you really not make the same mistakes that some of our mentors made. So if you're interested in any of those um, conversations with our million-dollar mentors, you can email us at your dream at of franchising.com. Up next, we've got a really exciting guest. He's been on the show a few times. We can't wait to get him um, on and interview him. But if you have questions during the show, don't forget, you can call 323-580-5755, and we will do our very best to have our guests and or mentors answer your questions. Awesome.
4: Hi, it's Mike Buller. I'm with the Link Local Network. We're in downtown Chicago at the Double Tree Hotel at the elite SDBOB service disabled, better known businesses, National Beauty. And we have the privilege of talking to Mr. Larry Rutt, who was a keynote speaker at the luncheon this afternoon. And you need to know this guy. Not only is he an author, but what a fascinating story and an inspiration to not only. The attendees here, but a lot of different people. Larry, thanks for sharing. Hey, Good time with us, huh? Thanks, Mike. So how are we doing the cocktail party so far? The cocktail party's awesome. That's what I
0: think And that, folks, is how long I've been interviewing Larry. So <laughs> I'm really happy today to have him and Ray be able to talk about veterans outreach because obviously I was the guy that was shaking behind the camera. So, you know, it is what it is, but At this point, Ray, I'm just gonna kind of be like a MacArthur and let you talk to Larry. Fade away.
4: Well, welcome back to the show, Larry. We were just reminiscing a little while ago before the show. Uh, You were one of our first guests when we were strictly audio and one of our first guests when we switched to video. So,
3: wow. (laughs) Ray, that that little video clip there when I had brown hair and and actually had hair. (laughs) And now I've got white gray hair, what's left of it. So yeah, that was quite a while ago. We've been doing this for a while, I guess. See, yeah. you had to you had to
2: point that out. I didn't even realize. I'm like, oh, he looks just the same. <laughs>
3: yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. You may want to get your eye doctor there pretty soon, Kristen. I know, yeah. and I got cheaters. <laughs> she says I look just the same too, so don't worry about it. Well, <laughs> it's great right. to be back with you folks. A lot, a lot has happened in the world since uh, that first meeting. Oh,
4: has it? Yeah, most definitely. So what, what, one of the, uh, as you heard uh, Fred say, uh, the topic today is uh, you are a, a U.S. Army veteran, Green Bay, Green Bay, Bay veteran. <laughs> yeah. Not a packer. And uh, you have, have helped a lot of veterans, from what I understand, is that correct? Yeah. And uh, you know attain uh, some, some form of business ownership Uh, in one way or another so uh, how have you done that I think that is is I'm going to get right to the point how have you done that and how can we help veterans as well
3: Mm. that's a good question Um, it's interesting uh, you know there's a little bit of pre pre pre-show chatter um, you know before any of these Recordings or podcasts or shows go live. There's always a little bit of making sausage behind the scenes, and we're always <laughs> talking about what's going on, right? And um, and you know, I think it was Kristen who referred to it uh, earlier. Somebody did. I don't know if it was Kristen or Elizabeth had mentioned about um, persistence, right? And I think one of the key elements to I hate to use this word because it gets misused. I think, uh, but success. Let's just use that word for a for a second. Um, and the entrepreneurial community and the business community is is tenacity.
0: Yeah.
3: And um, I always like to remind people that tenacity eats talent for lunch. There's a lot of (laughs) of very talented people that are out there, whether it's in sports or business or academia.
0: Mm. But when the
3: going gets tough, they quit. Yeah. Well, the thing about folks that have been in the military, now don't get me wrong, there are a lot of veteran imbeciles that are out there, just like there are imbeciles in every community, right? But for the most part, um, veterans have been tested. They know what it's like to grind through something just because it's got to get done. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes I see with startups, people just flat out quit when the going gets tough. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying, I'm not one of these believers who think that, you know, never, 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 never quit. You you hear that mantra, right? I'm not a fan. of, of that because we don't know what's going on in people's lives. Right. I'm not suggesting that people drive their life off a cliff, um, but I do think there's a difference between quitting and saying enough is enough, right? So veterans do possess some leadership experience. They know what it's like to be on a team, to participate, mm-hmm. to know that you know by all of us working together, we can outmaneuver, you know outperform larger um, enemies units whatever and those larger mm-hmm. enemies and units awesome. in the entrepreneurial space yeah. might be a competitor open up across the street right, right? Mm-hmm. so we have to be tenacious and i think that veterans can be tenacious now how do we help more of them become business owners by letting them know that they've got the goods here's one of the things that i've realized by running in this veteran space for a long time and i have probably mentored I, I do need to do a count, but it's probably been close to a thousand veterans directly wow. to get them into business ownership, right? Now, mm-hmm. I've spoken to tens of thousands of them at Veteran Entrepreneurial Conferences where I met, you know, um, Fred and Mike the, the first mm-hmm. time. Um, so who knows? I don't know what that number is. You know, it's, uh, it's big. Mm-hmm. But um, there are a lot of veterans who don't think that they've got the capacity to be mm. a business owner. you you know because many of these folks haven't they've never been to. they think i've got to have a college degree right or maybe i didn't score at the top of my class in high school or Mm -hmm. i don't have the finances to do it but the truth is if you've got the tenacity and you've got some modicum of of intelligence um and i'm not talking necessarily high iq in fact i think right it's more important than iq Um, when it comes to leadership then you can do it but as the conversation that just happened with uh uh, Elizabeth and Kristen, is it's finding the right fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I
2: think that's where franchising, don't you agree? Franchising, if, if somebody doesn't have the creativity, let's say, or yeah. really a specific direction that they want to go, they know they, they want to be their own boss, right? But sometimes franchising is the answer for people like that because I was one of those people yeah. who totally. knew I wanted to do something, yeah. but I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do.
3: Totally agree with you. Listen, um, I think that sometimes people get confused between business ownership and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. There are entrepreneurs who are franchise owners, and they're business owners, but yep. you don't have to be an entrepreneur to be a business owner. That's right. Right. This is where franchising comes in. Franchising, if you think about it, is if it's done right. Now, there are a lot of franchising that I've done analysis on um, are bad. They just are really mm-hmm. bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the best ones are a business in a box. Mm-hmm. you buy the systems, you buy the SOPs, you buy yep. all of the hard work has been done. Not, that's not true. All <laughs> the startup work has been done for you, right? right, right. Concepting, branding, who's, my, who's our ideal uh, client avatar? All those types of things have been done yes. for you. Now, the hard work is doing the hard work. Right? That's right. And that's another thing about veterans. Veterans know how to do hard work. Yes. Well, and
2: sometimes it's, it's taking all those parts that they give you, and putting them together, right? So I have sure. a touch of this ADD thing going on that I didn't realize I had. Mm-hmm. And so they would say, okay, well, here are your KPIs. Here's, here's marketing, here's this, here's that, here's this. And it takes a while for you to be like, okay, well, let me kind of put it all together and figure out how to make it work. And I think that's where having people who can mentor you, who've been there before, who can associate with, uh, I'm gonna say associate with you and say, I get that, right? I've been there. So of all these pieces you have to keep track of, here are the most, the three most important parts. And when we get that down, then we bring in number four and number five, right?
3: Well, I think having analyzed hundreds of of franchises, the ones that I see that serve their franchisees, the best are those that encourage them to get mentors and to be in masterminds. And it's not just about, hey, make sure that you're paying me my damn royalty and franchise fees on time. Yeah. You know, because they recognize the better humans that they create, the better business people they create, the better leaders they create, the more money they make. Totally. Yeah. You know, and so they have to put that stuff, the professional development stuff needs to come first and the money is going to come after for them. And frankly, the, the sticky factor it's going to Uh increase, right?
2: Well, you know, that's, that's so interesting because I think about the people who are really good at following directions are really good at executing. But when you talked about IQ versus EQ Mm -hmm. and you talk about some of the issues that Karen and I always talk about, about being able to get and retain people, those are critical parts that your franchise or they're often, they don't teach you HR skills. right Right? they don't give you professional leadership development in that way right they're going to teach you things that are going to drive your metrics aka feedback into the animal right via royalties and whatever else but all these other parts i'm glad to hear that you also agree i mean getting a mentor having a life coach whatever you want to call them really does make a difference for people
3: Yeah. yeah yeah well i believe i'm what words have meaning right I'm big on sometimes semantics, right? Coaches are different than mentors. Right. Right. Coaches, like you got a batting coach. This coach is gonna teach me how to bat, right? Mm-hmm. A mentor is not so concerned about your own personal agenda. Mm-hmm. A mentor is available, should be available when you need them in a variety of, of things. A mentor wants to see you succeed in everything that, that mm-hmm. you do. And I do believe we need both, right? Yes. But also, I think what I've seen with every business owner, not every, almost every business owner, almost every franchise owner, almost every entrepreneur, is that they rely too much on the feedback of friends and family, oh. um, good and bad, but, mm-hmm. by the way. But, oh, my friend said this and my family said that. And what I want to make sure that people understand is you need more allies when you're going to take this path in life than you need friends. Right. Mm-hmm allies are, they play play a different role in your life. They want you to make the right decision. And they're not Mm -hmm. not worried about hurting your feelings. The best allies will remind you that reality is your friend.
0: yeah, Good or bad,
3: you know? Um, And so I would encourage people, discount what your family and friends say, unless they are absolutely savvy about what it is that you're doing. And even then I would discount it. But go to your mentors, go to your mastermind, go to your allies and ask them the, the important tough questions.
2: Where would you find those people for for our listeners who don't know? I mean, we know we mentor anybody in the franchise industry. That's what we're here for,
3: but yeah, where would you go yeah. looking? So, there's this thing called the internet. Maybe you've heard of it. Um <laughs>
2: <laughs> You know, I did get yellow pages in the mail yesterday. Oh, okay. Those <laughs> are
3: okay wow yeah that, that's a whole nother conversation oh mm-hmm. no, that's, that's still around well here's the thing i'm and i'm being a little bit facetious here but i do think the popularity of masterminds is really key when i first got into business a long time ago masterminds weren't as popular as, as they are now yeah. and there are both industry specific masterminds and general business entrepreneurship yep. mm-hmm. masterminds mm-hmm. and so i'd ask yourself where am i really having a problem where are my strengths and where are areas that I need some improvement in, or at least I need some supplemental things. And so let's say that you're struggling with marketing. I could recommend a bunch of marketing masterminds. You just go on and say Mm -hmm. marketing masterminds. If you want them in person, master marketing minds in my area, Louisville, Orange County, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But frankly, doing what we're doing right now, virtually, we're all across the country right now and we're having a valuable conversation, right? People yep. have gotten really good at doing running masterminds virtually. Mm. I don't think these will ever replace the personal connection of walking through someone's, if it's a physical brick and mortar unit, walking mm. through that. Um, but I would just do an internet search, either on industry or entrepreneur or specific functions where you're yep. needing some help on. So that's number one. But number two, start talking to your competitors. And I'm serious about this. Talk to totally. your competitors. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we think that we shouldn't be talking to the competitor down the street or in the neighboring town.
5: We've mm-hmm. got a really
3: quick story I want to, want to share with you. I've got a former client who was a veteran who owned a business. and I'm, He may be watching, so you know it's who good. I'm talking about, but I'm not going to use his name. Um, but he was in an industry and he had four, he, there were four businesses in his town of the, that did the same thing. All right. So he had three competitors Mm -hmm. and I was saying, dude, you need to get out there and talk to these folks about some collaboration. Let's do some joint projects together because you're going to reach people that others aren't, whether it's price, whether it's services or whatever, but you guys compete against each other. And for three years, my business partner and I were telling him, you need to go meet your competitors. Well, finally, the number one competitor in the marketplace, his facility burned down. Mm. (gasps) Okay. Now, This buddy of mine, who is the client, he was number three in the marketplace. Okay, there were four of them. He was number three in the marketplace as far as size. Mm -hmm. Where where did number one send his business, all of his clients, to number two and to number four? All of a sudden, those two businesses who are his competitors, now there's three competitors in the marketplace.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. His other two competitors got all of number one's competitors and he got zero. If you would just go out and introduce yourself yeah, and just say, Hey, I don't know. I just want to know who you are. And you can tell, you know, maybe we yeah. can share ideas sometime, but I would encourage us. Let's move away from competitive success towards cooperative. Success. I
2: think that's an awesome idea. I mean, so I too, like your friend have been very hesitant because, mm-hmm. um, especially today, I use my excuse and I'm all about being open and transparent, right? So there are things that I'm just not comfortable with and going out and meeting my competitor. I know I need to do it. I know I've needed to do it for 16 years. I mean, Larry, hello. But (laughs) I'm like, well, wait a minute. If he knows I'm there. Then will he come and take my girls? Will he try to lure my help? And now we're moving my office right in his backyard. He's going to know I'm there. I mean, he clearly knows I'm there anyway, because we're the, right. the biggest one in the area. But it's like, so, and, and I'm afraid I'm going to walk in there and be like, hey, I'm Kristen from Molly May. And
3: the door's going to go
2: bam, right in my face.
3: <laughs> well, maybe he will. But then the question is, what do I need to do to make sure that he doesn't do that? Right. Do right. I need to treat my team members better? Do I need to pay them better? Do I need yeah. better, better, whatever, better, whatever? Maybe I need yeah. to offer better services, better value-driven packages. Yeah. Right. Because that's. I, th- but, I think you're right. I think it's a common fear because people are like, oh my gosh, what do I now need to do? Yeah. Right?
2: But maybe then, it makes us all better, right? Maybe okay. I see that, that 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 guy. Doesn't have it, he, maybe he has an edge on me, but it's something I can outmaneuver, right? All right, so mm-hmm.
3: you're right. So when I, when I got into martial arts a hundred years ago, um, I was that kid that when I was a white belt, I didn't want to work out with the white belts. I wanted to work out with the green belts. When I was a mm-hmm. green belt, I didn't want to work out with the brown belts. I wanted to work out with the black belts. Well, why was that? <laughs> because they were better than I was. Yeah. The better they were, the, the quicker I was going to get better, right? Uh-huh. I think we, we need to look at our business our businesses the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Let's become world-class. Well, you don't become a world-class athlete by working out with a junior varsity team. I think that is great advice. So Uh, tell
2: me how you incorporate that into your hotels.
3: Yeah, so um, I go out and I stay at the best hotels I can, Mm -hmm. whenever I can. I look at what they're doing. Um, When the pandemic hit, listen, I... My father used to say, do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) Right now, I can preach this stuff all day long, but I don't always practice it. And so for the last couple of years leading up to the pandemic, I would speak at conferences. You know, I would go stay at conferences, but I wasn't out there. There were a lot of competitive hotel owners, hotel management company owners that I knew I should have been connecting with and I didn't. So when the pandemic hit, those first three weeks, we were all shell-shocked, right? Because the industry was shut down.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You guys probably know. The hospitality industry, is, according to the mm-hmm. um, uh, governmental stats, show, that was the worst industry uh, in, in the country. Mm-hmm. And literally, without exaggeration, uh, there were hotel owners, hotel management company owners that were taking their own lives, right? Mm-hmm. And so I said, shit, this has got to this Mm -hmm. is not good. And so I started started calling some of some folks that I knew and then others that I didn't said, and I would apologize. Hey, listen, Ed, I I should have called you three years ago and I didn't, Mm -hmm. but there's no better time than now. I just want you to know I'm here. If you ever want to talk, obviously we're not going to swap, you know, strategies because that's, you know, collusion, (laughs) but crying out loud, we need to stick (laughs) together. on on And if I hear about any governmental programs that are going on, or if I'm hearing anything, I'll share it with you. And If you want, you can share it with me, but here's my cell number. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: You got to humble yourself and just do it. So that's what I'm doing. And I swear to God, there were some some of these hotel owners and hotel management company owners that were huge. If I said the name, you would know them, broke down in tears during these calls because no one had done that. Because don't we feel like we're on an island sometimes? Mm -hmm. We think we're doing it all on our own. Now, you guys have got this great little network here, right? honestly, Mm -hmm. most business owners, most entrepreneurs, they feel like they are carrying the world on their shoulders, right? And so this is what I love. This is why, like, when Fred calls and says, hey, will you be on the show? Yes, because we need more of this kind of stuff, right? Mm We need to be talking. We need to be reaching out to each other and serving other people. And I just think we serve first. How about that? Let's love and serve first. If we would just do that, we would see our bank accounts grow. We would see our number of friends grow. Oh, yeah. For sure.
4: Yep. So, Larry, Larry, I'd like to ask you the question: When you had you had your career in the military, obviously, and then you got out, why did you get started in hotels?
3: (laughs) It must have been the great (laughs) accommodations. The great
2: accommodations in the military, right? They
3: inspired you. Well, I'll tell you, I was in special forces, and we are treated better than a lot of people. So, but yes, that's part of it. No, honestly. Um, it leads to the reason why I wanted to get out of the military. I loved what I did. Um, I didn't spend a day, with the exception of basic training and some of the schools I would go to, I didn't spend a day in the conventional military. My entire career was in special forces, right? And it's a lot different than the traditional military. It was first name basis and We walk around with our hands in our pockets and long hair and that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, It was a different experience than most conventional units. But after Mm -hmm. traveling around quite a bit and being on deployment a couple of times, um, I thought I'm really interested in this political science aspect, Mm -hmm. the foreign policy issues that are being, you know, going on in in the world. And so I thought, well, let me get out. I think I want to go to school for this because um, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 17. I was still a senior in high school worked for a few years, then went into the military. Mm -hmm. Um, I barely graduated high school. It turns out I'm dyslexic. I didn't know that at the time.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, And that's why I barely graduated. I mean, I barely read. Mm -hmm. I'm an avid reader, highly educated now, uh, but I didn't know how to learn, right? So once I learned how to learn and, you know, I did really well in, in, in the military, but I started to think, oh, gosh, maybe I'll go to university to study political science or whatever and go become a politician. Or this is where Fred brings up this stuff. Maybe I'll run for office or work for the State Department or something. Mm-hmm. I, um, I figured, well, I bet it's time to go to university, right? So I'd had some friends who had moved to San Francisco. And so I'd moved to San. I said, well, let me just move to San Francisco. At the time, California had the best value of education in the university system in the country. It doesn't yeah. now. Um, but it did at the time. And so I moved to San Francisco to go to school. My first job that I got was at, at a making $5 an hour was as a night auditor at a little no motel in, mm-hmm. Detroit, in San Francisco. <laughs> it was gross. It was disgusting. <laughs> um, but it paid the bills. You yeah. know. Yeah. And after being there for a few months, an investment group came in to buy the place and the, with the goal of making it you know, one of the first boutique hotels in the country. Mm. Um, I was kept on um as a manager with only a few months experience in the in the industry, but I was frankly the only functioning alcoholic <laughs> there. <laughs> you know? um, Were you down by went, Ashbury or was, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, worse. No, it was like at, at the corner of Eddie and Larkin in the oh, 7, the federal okay. building. It was bad. It was very bad. So um, but this team came in and renovated it and turned it into this cool hotel. And, you know, I was one of the leaders there. And I started realizing that this hotel industry was feeding a lot of my interests and needs. It had marketing, it had leadership, it had team building, it had finance, real estate, all these Mm -hmm. interesting elements to it. That was keeping me very intrigued. And so, um, picked up another hotel shortly after that. Then Desert Storm happened. I went back on active duty. After I came back from active du- duty, the managing member of this hotel, growing hotel company said, hey, I can't do this without you. Will you come back? It's a partner of mine mm-hmm. and, um, and let's grow this thing.
0: Wow. Uh, so, so we did.
3: It's not like I went to school for hospitality or mm-hmm. you know, I grew up thinking, oh, I wanted to be a hotelier. Um, sure. I, I knew I wanted to do something. Um, and this was meeting meaning all of my needs. Yeah. You know? yeah. and, um, so we picked up 14 hotels in a 14 year period. And wow. then I realized, and here's something that folks should realize. I had this epiphany that I was the number two person in this organization. And I knew I was never going to be the number one person in the organization. So with the way I describe it, I was a primary leader stuck in a secondary leadership role.
0: <laughs> so that was my,
3: right? And so, and we need to, we need to know this about ourselves, right? Yeah. And you don't know that much, you stare at your navel and you do some journaling and you talk to people about, hey, how do you view me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it was at that point that I said, I, I, dude, love you. I'll remain a partner in the company. I'll help how I can, but I've got to go out and do my own thing. Good yeah. for so, you. So, I didn't, so how, that, made,
4: that made you strive, though, didn't it? it you, yes. Yeah. It, it it drove you.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, drive is one of those things. It's like tenacity. You're not going to go anywhere until you pull you you move that gear out of park and put it in That's the drive. That's right. You know? yeah. So
2: so you pulled up your bootstraps. And how many hotels do we have today?
3: Well, now after the pandemic, I'll tell you this. Pre-pandemic, we had over twenty. Okay. We have four today. Oh, okay. So through termed out management agreements, handing some back mm-hmm. to the bank, mm-hmm. it's been rough. It's absolutely rough. One of the conversations that happened earlier, I don't remember what it was prior to the show starting or during the earlier segment was, you know, cash flow. Mm-hmm. You know, in the old days, when you would do your working capital reserve, when you're putting your business together, you might think, oh, I'll have whatever it is. I'll budget for six months working capital reserve. Do you know what the average company has in working capital reserve and free cash flow? How much? 28 days. <laughs> that's, the, that's the average. Yeah, the
0: average, okay? right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. I had Yeah. I had six months, all right, for, mm-hmm. for the company. But I knew by all the indicators, again, I'm a kind of armchair political scientist. I watched what was going on and there was no way that we're going to do this 30-day, 60-day, 90-day. I knew this was going to be a yep. thing. Right, and so but who? But even when you think we're going to hit a recession and okay, business is going to drop off by forty percent.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Who budgets a hundred percent cut in revenue? No, never, never do that. And Mm-mm. for a sustained period of time, mm-hmm. right? so I had to make some tough decisions, and we we sure. furloughed I think a total of sixty or laid off sixty-seven percent of our workforce. You know, we had a couple thousand employees. Yeah, um, And um, it was very, very difficult. So now where are we today is probably the fall. Well, we're in the rebuilding stage. We're out raising capital. Because right now as tough as it is, because the word recession was used earlier, let's be realistic, it's a depression. Okay, mm-hmm. if you start looking at indicators. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the time when businesses who have sustainable, they just go on for a long, long time. This is when these businesses are launched. Recessions right. and depressions are the time to actually put your button gear Thank and go you. into acquisition mode, and so yep. that's what that's what we're doing right now. As we so, I'm here in Louisville right now. We're looking at hotel. Awesome. Like, um, yeah, and so yeah. we're, we're we're on the road. So
2: Larry. Property. This is super exciting because I can't wait to see what your next acquisition is, and I hope that you will share it with us when the time comes here at Pillars. Of, of course. In the meantime, how do people find you if they want to talk about hotels or franchising or mentorship?
3: Um, the probably so I've got a website, um, like everybody else should. Um, right. By the way, that's a that's a tip. You should not only have a website for your business, but have one for yourself. All mm-hmm. right. You should have your personal brand. Okay. So, um, the com, you can find most of what I'm doing there. Um, and uh, I'm on all social media, not all, but most of the major social media, just at Larry Broughton, LinkedIn, Instagram, kind of the two yeah. that I'm at the, on the most, but. Awesome. Um, yeah, at Larry Broughton.
2: Well, yeah. I want to thank you for and I know Ray does too, I'll let him speak too, but thank you so much. It's been so great having you. And we'll
4: have what what yeah fantastic insight you have, Larry. Thank you so much for the show. Yeah. Thank and you.
2: for those of you watching and listening, we'll have all of Larry's contact information um, on, the, on our website as well. So you can find him that way if you didn't happen to catch uh, what he told you and how to get in touch with him. And Larry, again, we look forward to seeing you again on Pillars and we thank you for your time out of thank your you. very big,
0: busy schedule today.
3: Yeah. Thanks folks. We'll see you. Go get
0: them. Hey, franchise owners. How's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence,
6: Hello, Karen Kimsey Sword. How are you? Going great. How about you? Good. Um,
1: Great conversation with Larry. And there are a lot of directions we can go with your segment. But I think, you know, my favorite quote of his whole interview was, tenacity eats talent for lunch, right? Love it. (laughs) I mean, it's such an it's such a such a truth. But I think in terms of relating that to the veterans outreach and and reaching people in the military and and bringing in the idea of franchising even more specific than entrepreneurship, um, the tenacity of and perseverance it requires is something that I, I think people often overlook and you get stuck on a resume or you get stuck on someone's specific job history and you think, oh, well, you've never worked in this field, you're not gonna work here. You got, you know, it, the mindset is changing in the constant job market that we have now. Right. So in terms of that, what do you what do you have to say about people and, and making sure that they're looking in the right pool? And then on the other end, presenting themselves in the best light for opportunity.
6: Well it's interesting because I was thinking about when he was when he was talking, this applies this applies to veterans. Absolutely. And it applies to anyone who's thinking about becoming a franchisee. Because sometimes if you take a look at it, you're like, well wait a minute a lot of what I do, how does that really transfer over? And then some people might not then even go down that path because they think that they don't have that specific experience. So I think as far as like the translating, if you think about someone looking for a franchise, right, on the franchisee side, and you think about like the whole, the whole tenacity piece. And, and it's really taken a look at, um, I think, the skills, the skills that you, that are needed to become a franchise a franchisee. He mentioned a few. You know, Even when you talk about the whole the tenacity piece, I mean, part of the tenacity, part of the per- perseverance piece is, is kind of a mindset, right? It's a mindset of, okay, I've got to get through this. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with this. It's asking for help. He talked a lot about the whole mentoring, getting someone to mentor th- you through it, figuring out how can you take those skills that you have and actually communicate that to a franchisor. Or even how do, you, how, do you, how do you even know how you can transfer your skills to buying a franchise? I think that's really, I think those are some things that are really important.
1: Well, what, what kind of advice? So if you're looking at a candidate who wants to be a franchisee, right. um, if I'm a self-analyzing, what, what skills would I need to possess in order to take that path?
6: Well, when you think about, you know, what fra- I think what franchisors are looking for and what someone, if you're thinking about being a franchisee, there are several things that he mentioned them. One is, can you, can you follow systems and procedures and the processes and rules? I think that's really important. If you have that, that ability to do that, and if you have some, even if you don't have experience, is it also part of your DNA as well? Mm-hmm. I know that was, that was, because think about it, franchisors, they spend a lot of time, they've got the secret sauce, they have their systems, their process. They wanna make sure that someone's gonna come and follow those processes and, and procedures. So making sure someone has that mindset. Second, it's the leadership piece. There are a couple parts to leadership. A lot of times people will talk about leading others. You know, how do you lead others? How do you lead teams? And that's really important. Second thing is, is can I lead myself? Do I have that self-management, self-leadership piece? Because if you think about it, you're out there by yourself. And so how do you do that? And how do you self-manage and how how you self-lead? And also a key piece is can you ask for help too? And I think right. you talked about that. That's really important. So those are, well, those are a couple things.
1: Well, and I think those are huge. And when you, when we're looking at, since we're talking about um, veterans today and how they fit into the franchising space, those are so many qualities that, that most military people possess. So they know Absolutely. how to follow a process. They know how to follow a system. They know how to, how to be led. And most, most of them know how to lead. So, you know, when you look at transferable skills, it may not necessarily be something that a, a, new, a new civilian coming out of the military <laughs> is going to think of right off the bat. Yep. But when you look at all the skills that you've learned throughout that military, and you learn how to really manage stress and, and perform under crisis. Right. So when you get in a position like a, a recession or a depression or a, a pandemic <laughs>
6: Exactly, you're not all all the 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 above trouble right yeah exactly exactly, and then I think you know we talk about again I think these all kind of follow there's the tenacity there's the 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 commitment and the discipline, I mean you think about veterans and I think about that discipline piece. And they are very disciplined they've had to be you know because many of them are in very kind of um, dangerous situations they have to make sure they have that physical that mental discipline, and we all know in franchising that's a key. That's a key piece uh, to, to keeping things on track, right? There, there's going to be ups and downs. So it's having that discipline to make sure that kind of weathering it, as you mentioned, the pandemic and all that, and how you can, how you can really uh, weather all of that. And again, I think you're right. They don't think a lot of veterans coming out don't, don't think about some of those skills and how they can truly be transferable.
1: Absolutely. You know, my, my ex-husband was military and was not on the radar whatsoever. My dad... Uh, was a Vietnam era vet, and he went to law school and became a lawyer, eventually owning his own practice, but that was not on his radar. So I think it's something that maybe if we introduce it earlier in the process would be very valuable. And and to shift the conversation just a little bit, I think in terms of not, you know, we always say franchise is going into business for yourself, not by yourself. But when we have a team of pillars, they, you know, uh, Kristen and, um, Larry touched on mentorship. I mean, that's, that's a lot of what we're all about, is mentoring you through the buying process, but then also once you do buy a franchise location, mentoring you through the early stages of growth. So, so Karen, what do you think about, how, talk about how important that is to have somebody you can rely on as a sounding board and a, and a person to, to give you some of this advice that so you're not going in blind.
6: It's interesting. So many times we go into things and we don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And even by someone walking along your side, asking you questions, a mentor doesn't always say, you know, things like, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. They're there to kind of walk along with you, walk beside you. And, and I think that's really important. And even if you understand some processes and you understand certain things, someone needs to be, you know, they almost need to remind you of, now remember this. And this is how this translates. And it's just so important that you're there to be open and be coachable. And because that's where you're going to, you're going to not step in as many holes (laughs) as you would. And that's why it's really good to have someone kind of walk, walk alongside you. Well, that's, that's absolutely true. And I think one of the things
1: we talk about on Pillars is that franchisors teach you their brand. They teach you their process. They teach you how to make their specific business successful. What, what we can do as a team is help you with those best practices and business practices and if you're missing if if kpi is a new word to you right (laughs) a new acronym (laughs) to you those are the things we can really fill in the gaps on areas that might be weaker for you than some other areas you might have a really great business sense but not have all that experience and that's where talent comes in and tenacity makes success right
6: Right. And it's helping, it's helping transfer the skills that, you know, that's where we, again, when you said we come in, it's transferring those skills that they have and saying, okay, here's how you can transfer it to what, what you're learning right now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Well, Karen, thank you so much for your insight on this. I think there were a lot of takeaways. It's a, it's an interview we could probably watch more than once with Larry. Um, Lots of topics were covered. So hopefully we were able to sort of nail a few actionable items down for our viewers. Um, And I appreciate all your time and energy. Thanks. All right, we will see you next time and stay tuned, more coming up. As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, We wanna give a shout out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at FranchiseShow247.com. And we couldn't do without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we love to have call-in guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755. That is 323-580-5755. If you have questions for our guests or for any of our Million Dollar Mentors, we welcome you to call in. at any time on the show, we will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned. More coming up.
0: Hi, Jerry, my dad. I pulled in
2: Elizabeth. I'm like, quick. <laughs> and then the screen started popping up. And I'm like, go away. Get escape.
5: <laughs> well, I was hoping you were going to unmute so that we could have this conversation, Kristen. Thank you. Oh,
2: you know, I can't. As much as this topic chaps my ass. It needs to be talked about.
5: Well, we, really, we've got to educate. You know. Yeah, we got to educate people. There will be a lot of uh, cross messaging that's going on, and you know, people need to understand whether you're a business owner or uh, somebody who buys from a business owner. You need to understand what's going on, and yeah. so um, you know. And before we do that, let me just give a quick shout out. I, uh, you know, we should probably say rest in peace to Queen Elizabeth. That was quite a shock today.
2: It was. I think that's right. I feel, you know, I I saw her. She's so, she was so weak, but still so well poised.
5: I know. And, you know, she always uh, led with grace and humbleness and, and some of that comes, you know, as I was reading up today, uh, you know, she was born before the Great Depression. So she Uh lived through the Great Depression. Uh, Mm -hmm. During World War II, she was an auto mechanic, believe it or not. Yeah. And uh, was known as the uh, Princess Auto Mechanic. That was okay, she- so
2: now you know that um, that little meme that they have, or it used to be a poster of the woman with her muscle up, yes, and you put her Queen Elizabeth's face on it.
5: I love it. Well, and you think about all the things—the fall of the Berlin Wall, the fall of the Soviet Union—I mean, all the things she saw right up until and beyond the pandemic. So, uh, a great yeah. person. Uh lived through a lot of great times a great amazing leader and so on so rest in peace and with that let's talk about the FAST Act and California and all the amazing things that are going on in that state
2: yes and you know I do love my state of California and my dad happened to be in town today and I said so you know what's happening right and he's like well not really and so then I told him and he's like oh so what does that mean? I'm like, well, we're all kind of waiting to see, but be prepared for a happy meal to cost you 20 bucks.
5: Right, right. You know? So so let's review for our listeners that weren't here last week. So the fa- it's called mm-hmm. the FAST Act and it was signed into law by the governor in California uh, last week. And what it is going to do, is going to create a board, a council of 10 unelected officials <clears throat> that are going to decide how an employer pays his employees, and what benefits he or she provides their employees and their working conditions. Now, I don't think anybody would argue that, uh, you know, we need to take care of our employees. But uh, in the era we live in now, with a shortage of employees, there's literally no reason why everybody shouldn't be, you know, in the job they want, making the money they want, and those kinds of things. And frankly, if you're not making the money you want, or you're not happy with your employer there's four jobs down the road so there's no reason to have this these are unelected officials who are going to make decisions that are going to
2: choose them yeah who chooses them
5: well uh it's going to be probably the governor uh, the way it sounds so there may be some you know some specialty acts some uh some notoriety given to some people so it's going to be it's going to be interesting how that plays out but everybody needs to understand there's already franchisors talking about not having any more licenses for their brand available. And there's franchisees talking about as soon as their license is up, they're done because they're not going to face that battle. What that means to consumers is not just, will your happy be- meal be much more expensive, but a lot of your favorite brands are leaving California. It's just, they may not, yeah. it might not the next year. It might take three to five years before their lease is up or whatever, yeah. uh, but they're not going to continue to fight that. Now, on the positive side. And we talk about the International Franchise Association or IFA as we talk about it. Yep. So um, needless say there's gonna be a lot of lawsuits and a lot of people fighting against this. Well, right now the IFA and the National Restaurant Association have joined forces and they've started a a campaign out there, which you're gonna hear a lot about over the next few weeks because they want the citizens of California to vote on this. Now it takes 600,000 signatures to get this put on the ballot so you're going you're going to in my opinion uh you're probably going to see these these uh, sign-up sheets on the front counter of restaurants yeah you're going to be hearing about it in the news uh you're going to get emails about it and all that kind of stuff because um in the opinion of most business owners and so on this is overreach (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. This brings into all kinds of joint employership. And, and really, this makes it so important for people who are of age to vote to truly understand what is baked into this and how it impacts them. Because a lot of them be like, eh, you know, whatever, it's another, you know, another California thing, or they think oh, it affects only restaurant workers, but it doesn't. Because think about the unemployment rate and what's going to happen in California, the number of people that are employed by franchise systems, particular in this case, quick serve restaurants, right? Um, this is going to be, this is going to be a, a big, big hit to their economy.
5: Well, it will be. And uh, the people who got this in place and did all the work to get it put into law are, I mean, we're already talking about taking it out to every business in california so it's it right now it's only fast food but it's going to go to other areas and potentially other states as we talked about so this is something that if this bothers you if you're worried about it it, certainly if you're a business owner you need to be signing that uh you need to be signing that that recall form so that uh, it turns into an election type thing because you you know your happy meal is going to be more expensive some businesses are going to go away it'll impact everyone everyone So here's what I see. And this is my crystal ball. I see somebody working in fast food going, yay, darn right. Let's get, let's get this thing in place. Uh, I want to make $25 an hour and so on. And yet those people are going down to the road to somebody else's fast food restaurant to get a meal. And Mm -hmm. down there, they're going to be complaining because they're now paying twice as much for that meal. There, there is no way this is a dollar for dollar equation Whatever right. things go up, they're going to go up even more on the other side. So you're once again, government's going to step in and cost employees money rather than helping yeah. them make more money.
2: Well, and the thing is, let's not you know again our our, our you know great phrase that Ray and I always like to regurgitate is begin with the end in mind, right? So you may you may make twenty five dollars an hour for a short period of time, but when that business goes out, and so does. The competitor and the other competitor and all these other neighboring restaurants go out where are you going to work and where do you yeah. think you're going to go for 25 bucks an hour when all right. your experience is is flipping burgers on a grill
5: suppliers go away because they no longer have people to supply to them i mean it's, yeah. it's a long list They're, the ripple effect is going to be crazy so now Kristen, as we always do we need to turn this around a little bit right that's right so we've gotten the word out we've let people know Uh, you can reach out to IFA national restaurant association if you want to, uh, but do your part, get your name on that list. But the positive side here is franchising is still the most amazing opportunity in the world. It's Mm -hmm. the way to get into business. Uh, as we like to say, you know, uh, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. So this is a great opportunity. The timing is right. So don't give up on franchising because of this one situation. I agree,
2: Jerry. Thank you so much. As always, we appreciate your insight and the time you spend getting ready for this uh, podcast. And we'll look forward to talking to you
4: again real soon.
5: Thanks, Kristen.
1: Thank you. I am Elizabeth Denham, the Chief Content Officer for Pillars of Franchising. And I'm telling you that um, because I am always looking for people with a great story in the franchising space. If you have a great story that you would like to share either in the magazine or on the show, You can fill out our contact form on PillarsOfFranchising.com. Also, while you're there, be sure to subscribe to the magazine. Um, You can choose all of the services that you might be interested in if you're looking to buy a franchise, sell a franchise, become a franchise, if you need mentorship, and if you need to get the word out about your business, we have a lot of uh, variety of sponsorships for you. So be sure to visit our website, like, subscribe, and share this show. And we appreciate every comment and every engagement that you offer. Um, so be sure to visit our website at PillarsOfFranchising.com.
2: I want to thank everybody for joining us today on the show, especially our guest, Larry Broughton. And please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode, as well as any others that you happen to review. Thank you to Jerry Akers and Ray Piller, our Million Dollar Mentors. Karen Kimsey-Sport, our Mentor Mastermind. Fred McMurray and Elizabeth Denham, our Producers. And I am Kristen Schalmetzi. And together, we are your resource for franchising success. And remember, this has been Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts
6: here.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
6: It's my little escape.
0: Now, Judy's the life of the party.
6: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>